0: You ready?
1: Yeah. Oh, Okay. All right.
0: Then we'll start the show. Is that? Do you want that to be the new theme song? I thought it was. Brief. Let's do it again. Let me. Let me. Let me. just try that one first.
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't think I can. No.
0: Just. Just. Anything. Just. I don't know. It's. It's tough. But let's try the other one and see if that one works a little bit better. Let's, let's have let's the listeners.
1: What... Will chime in and tell us what they like better. Um, oh, mine's no. I mean, still pretty good. Gosh. Oh, that fucking operator. She seems so
0: pleasant. I don't know. I mean, if you were calling an agency, you'd be like, how can I help you? That's true. Or are you looking for a career? But Hold who's on calling the second. operator? Hold on forever.
1: Who's calling a Hollywood hotel? Who's calling the operator? <laughs> oh. What? Were you trying to fade it out, or were you just... I was. I was trying to fade it out. And now Welcome
0: to Hollywood to Anonymous. I am Brian, or when I'm you John might be... Yeah. There
1: we go. All right. Uh...
2: Now, all right.
0: Da, 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 now, what what is the kids call? It? Is it a mashup? So now you whistle with you do your song, no, not the same song. You're oh. mashing, so you oh. you try to blend your style no, what? into the that's
1: not a thing people are doing. Mashing,
0: no mash up, mash right? up. I don't know. I think I saw it on Facebook. What's dub smash? No idea. I don't. That's where people do high volume, pitch volume voices. Or, I don't even know.
1: No, I don't think that's right. All
0: right. <laughs> I do, then I don't know.
1: I think it's a thing on uh, online I saw. Okay. Maybe it's Dub Mash.
0: Maybe. we'll, we'll Maybe we'll, we'll have to investigate. That's what uh, the internet's uh, for. Do we,
1: do we need to investigate? Not really, but... I no. kind of think when I see stuff, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I just keep moving and people are like, dude, you haven't seen two girls shit into a cup. I'm like, nah, it's never really...
0: Who's still saying... If somebody said that I'm now, using
1: okay. that as an example because back then, I had... Brett Ernst said to me, We were everyone was standing around, uh, this, we were going in to see some show. We were all standing in a circle and he was talking about a video he saw online of, uh, of the horse fucking a dude and killing him. And like, he saw this video online and everyone's kind of like standing there, like kind of horrified expressions. And he goes, hey, Huck, you've probably seen this, right? And I'm like, why did I just get singled out as the guy who's watching horse cock videos? Why are people standing in line? Uh, I don't I can't remember where we were. We were at like the Comedy Central stage.
0: Oh, no, I thought you meant people were standing in line watching him get killed by a horse no. through anal sex. I was we like, were who, all standing in line. Who stands right in line? First off, lines aren't even good standing in for anything. No rides nothing.
1: On. But who would stand in line for that? That's what I was thinking. I, I would ride, I'd stand in line to ride the Transformers at Universal Studios again. You don't have to. I know. Well, now you do. No, now because now I go at two in the afternoon on a Wednesday. By yourself? Do you yeah. the, do you the single rider line? No, no, no. I've gone with my brother and I've gone with uh, my buddies. So
0: I went there once. This is back when I was still doing pod. They were still doing podcasts at the Lovett's Theater or Universal. So I, <laughs> I got them. Yeah. But because we were doing so many shows, I got a free parking pass. But we also, when you go to Universal Studios, you get the buy the, you know, be paid for once and you get the rest of your free or whatever. They don't really do it that much anymore. So one day I was there and I'm like, I'm going to go. I have my pass. I'm going to go to Universal Studios by myself and uh, do that ride. Uh, for the single, and it was brand new. So I got in the single ride. No one handed me glasses. What? So, <laughs> so I'm on this 3D ride that sitting sucks. with strangers. And nobody, everybody else has glasses on except for me. Oh, my God. And I'm going through the whole thing.
1: Everything's blurry. They're the whole looks, thing's blurry. Is everyone looking at you like, no. who is this No, because they were,
0: they were having a good time. Oh, my I, God. I, on the other hand, was I felt like I was a supervisor <laughs> seeing if the ride was functioning properly. Like, that was my job on that ride, right? <laughs> so, because I realized afterwards that I needed glasses, I decided to go see my picture. You don't <laughs> know to take pictures? <laughs> And it's three people going wow, uh, and then just me uh, <laughs> as a nail with this really disappointing. I should have got a picture of it because you should have. That should have been a that t-shirt. Everybody else
1: has glasses around you, and you're like, uh huh. What? Yeah, I was so disappointed when that photo. You know, oh, the click God. of that
0: photo. So Holy By the way, they, they, that's not John throwing his voice. That is uh, Steve Simone, yes, our
1: guest, is for the, also for the day or er, yes, the day. Uh, you're here the whole day, right? Twenty-four all hour, day long. Twenty-four hour podcast. This is our this day is episode long. twenty-six, also known as our telethon episode. <laughs> yeah, It's going to happen, guys. We're yeah. going to raise some money for ourselves. Uh, Steve so anyway, Simone, I, I
0: interrupted you. You, were,
1: you oh, were trying to say you were well, saying something. Well, I wasn't really. I don't know what I was saying, but I wanted. I know what I wanted to say, uh, so I can go to that, and and I'm just I'm only I'm only plugging this app because I want other people to uh get as excited about it as i am and then start we can at least start talking about it more um for some reason i saw online i follow like some space thing on twitter and they were like hey we're la- nasa's launching a rocket Da 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 so i was at uh nerd melt and i couldn't get the you know i wasn't in front of a tv or my computer so i went on my phone and i i found this nasa app that will basically show you all their rocket launches. It showed the connection of the rocket at the space station. They have cameras on everything. Cool. <clears throat> and they do, like, interviews every day with astronauts at the space station. And they have constant videos of, like, what's going on within the NASA community. And it's super fascinating. they got images taken from outer space. You can look at all the missions that they've sent up, all the things that they've sent since, like, 99. Uh Well, I'm sure they go back before that, but... Uh, I was just reading about one that went up in 99 that I remember going up when I saw it on the news and I was like, oh, who cares? We're not going to know anything about that thing for like 15 years. And like, now it's 2015 and they're, oh. they're, everyone's getting all this information and stuff. But it's just, it's really interesting. It's just one app. You get it, it's free. What's it and it, it's, just it's just the NASA, NASA app. It's the NASA app. And it's got their TV station, uh, some live footage um, whenever it's available and then just images. And, and I don't know. It's just really interesting to me. And uh I got. I started getting really excited about it uh, recently. So I think it, it it
0: it makes you feel like a kid again, though, too. Because yeah. remember, like, that was one of the first things when you when when you when you're a kid, you're like, okay, there's there's superheroes. There's good guys, bad guys, there's military guys, there's cowboys, and then there's spacemen. Mm-hmm. And most of that stuff is like based in most of the stories, they're fiction. But then the space guys, you realize over time, you find out, oh, they actually did some real stuff. Yeah. It wasn't all Star Wars y stuff. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And so, like, that's I, there. there is that part of it. Um, that that intrigues me about, it, and then I, I think now that I know about that, I'm going to get it so that I can at least share that with my kids. I was going to say, so. if, if
1: you have kids, that'd be fat, love it, it it. Would Totally get them get them into it. Well, I mean, have you ever
0: done the star app?
1: Yes, that was yeah. I
0: do that with the kids every once in a while. We'll go outside, and, and I, it's so cool. You, you can do that. So we did cool. it in Yellowstone a couple years ago. That's it was you, when there's
1: a bunch of stars. I did it in uh, the Hamptons. Was the last time I used that thing, and then I had to get rid of it because it was taking up too much space. But um. <laughs> too much fun.
0: It was taking up too no, much no, fun too much space. space.
1: It was like. Uh, I, I, I've changed phones since then too And I just never got it back But uh, I also bust it out I have a little mini telescope That my dad left me that, Oh really? Yeah I just have to get it to work There's something with the Glass and lenses inside it, Something's not functioning properly
0: Well was it when you had converted For the bong for that one night And that then you could have been get it, it to work again or I, or
1: I keep pointing it really close <laughs> at, uh, at my private party. Steve I think yeah. is
0: believing That last part He's like Oh did you really turn it into a bong? <laughs> it's
1: not, the only thing about that Is that even when people Were doing that in college I was just too fucking lazy like, I don't want to have to make a bong. Like I made a bong in high school. I was like, that was a lot of work. I had to drill a hole. I'm not doing that again. Like I don't know. It was annoying. It so, explains why I've never asked you over to my house to help me hang anything. Oh, dude, no anything. one's ever asked me to do the anything. Fact that you
0: just referenced the fact that you wouldn't even use a drill, that just scares me. Oh,
1: it. I mean, I can use a drill. I just, ugh, I don't want to.
3: Too much work.
1: Oh, God, you got to hold it. Ugh. Can I be honest with you?
0: I'm so excited, Steve, that you're here. You're like one of my just favorite all-time guys. We've known each other for Good so gracious. many years, Back so in the long. Day. Like, now, when,
3: how long have you known Johnny? Uh, I Johnny remember, John used to come into the Hollywood Gym when I worked there, so that had to be. Was still, what was, s- he was he doing there? Was he working something? out early in the morning like a winner? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah. Or was was, see, see, it, was it? Was it? <laughs> he, he didn't have a place to <laughs>
3: show. No, okay.
0: okay. Work out, like out like a win- with all the other but winners. I knew, I
1: knew you before that, right? From the Comedy Store, and I wasn't. I was never like regularly up there, but when I would be up there, I would. You were. You were actually one of the people that would be nice to me. When I would go up there Because back in Like a, a while back People that used to be That place was mean. a fucking shithole Yeah I don't know why people you Would never choose mean. No you I've always no, talked no, no, about no, no, that no.
3: no I can't do that to other people I hate when people are mean to me So why would I course, Be dude. mean to them It's
1: ridiculous And it's inappropriate And
3: it's unnecessary And it's fearful
1: yeah, and it makes you I, just not want to go places. So I'm like, Well, I'm not going back there.
3: Yeah. Like for the store I had a terrible <laughs> reputation for a long time because yeah. of that.
0: Well, Steve, I've told this story before the night that Tommy kicked me out of the comedy store where you were the last guy that I talked to when I left that night. You weren't there when it happened. Oh but my god. It was um um Elliot, my second child, had been born. He almost uh-huh. died at birth. Oh, my God. And so he was in the NICU for four to six weeks. <sighs> so we were doing, my wife and I were doing 12-hour shifts. And so I was burnt. And I wasn't yeah. doing comedy anymore. And I was doing comedy a lot at the comedy store at that time. But I, for obvious reasons, I had disappeared off the planet Earth Yeah, I was concerned about Priorities. Hmm, that's weird. And I remember... Um, uh, that night I finally said to my wife, I'm like, oh, you know, we've been through so much. Time. I want to go down to the comedy store and just do some comedy. And I got down there, and uh, Ryan, um, whose name is escaping me, he does a show with da- uh, Jeff Dennis now. Um, oh, Ryan O'Neill, Ryan O'Neill was yeah. hosting, and he said, Oh, here everyone, um, you're not on the list. I go, Yeah, I, probably not, because obviously I've been gone for a while, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm just here for the, you know, the pop in stuff. Yeah. And he said, Oh, yeah, no worries. I'll tell you what, I'll put you up next. And I was sitting next to him. Um, we needed to go up in the O.R. And it was a pretty packed house or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, Tommy walked over and uh, said, who's going up next? And, uh, and O'Neill said, oh, Irwin's going up next. And in front of the whole audience, while the comedian was on stage, he started yelling at me. What? He said, you're not going up here. You don't go up here anymore. Do not put that guy up on that stage. You don't put oh, him up. That's crazy. You don't. You don't go. You are not a comedy store person anymore. You don't go up. And he goes, put up Freddie Lockhart, and he stormed away. Now the show had stopped. The comedian, on, I can't remember who was on stage. He was it that loud. He interrupted. He yeah yeah yeah. It was embarrassing. Show. I mean, it, it crushed me personally. It had crushed me inside. Ugh. Dennis or not, Dennis. I'm sorry. Ron O'Neill was furious that he did that because it was just it, it served no purpose He's to humiliate me like that. And you know me, I I'm I was a pretty nice guy. Like oh, absolutely. I, I was, I wasn't a troublemaker there. So anyway, I I was really devastated. And and I was because I was not emotionally prepared for any of that Mm -hmm. coming out of what I came out of. Um, I, At that point, I just had made that decision that night that I was never going to go back to that place again. I wasn't going to try to fight to go back. I did call him once to ask him why he did it to me, but of course he didn't take my phone call. Ugh. And I just, I, I but I remember you just be, were so kind to of me when I was leaving that night. I mean, you probably don't remember. I remember because it, it was such a bad night for me. I don't even remember. But you were just, you were really, really, you know, you were like, it's not, you know, you, you just said nice things, you know. Oh, it's man, not that cool. makes me I'm sorry so that good. that happened, you know, but.
3: Dude, what I did, it's so sad that people with. uh <laughs> No power and low self esteem. <laughs> Whenever they get a little chance to flex on somebody, yeah. it's really, really sad. Like I when when I think of somebody that would be that much of a dick to somebody, I almost feel worse for Tom. When you tell me that yeah, story, you feel, I kind of feel worse for Tommy than you.
1: What's wrong with Tommy that he yeah, has to that that, he would how do the, fucked up well, as his life slight, been? Right, he's like so fucking exactly. ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's the that's the that's the um, that's the that's the higher road. You know what yeah. I mean? When you see someone, when someone's like insanely rude to you, or whatever, you're like, "Well, okay, that person is having." You want to, what you want to be able to take a, a breath and be like, "Okay." That person obviously has it much rougher on? than me. <laughs> right. If they have to behave that way in order to make themselves feel better, exactly. At the same time, uh, the middle or lower road would be, "Hey, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a piece of shit, and he doesn't know anything about comedy. And who gave him this power, and why? And he's fucking running that place into the ground." Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the biggest mistake I made because I wasn't in, in a in a, in a, a good good headspace. Yes, um,
0: I quit comedy for six months. I let I let what he said to me yeah, affect me, that... and I. And I made a choice that maybe comedy was not right for me and it wasn't, it wasn't the thing I should be doing. And, and so I really – I let it affect me. It was, it was really hard for but, me to get back
3: up on stage for about six months. That's a great life lesson though. Like I just recently read something along those lines where it said once you make a decision where like when you're in a good place, like when you're properly rested, you're, you feel good about it and you're like this is what I'm going to do. Then you don't change that decision when you're in a bad place. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you were emotionally vulnerable, exhausted, tired. Like everything was going. So then that's when you said, you know what, maybe not comedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and but you sucks. know, but the, it sucked because because the <clears> comedy store was my place. That's where I went. That was the home. And yeah, it had its issues. It was it, it the, at that time there was a lot of not a negativity. But it was the place that I actually identified myself with. Yes. And I had done nothing wrong. And then all of a sudden, you just get kicked to the curb. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? Because John and I have talked about this before. Comedy is one of those things. It's You have to be able to take criticism. Yeah. That's one thing. If somebody comes up to you and says, you're not right for this place. Your comedy's not right for this place. You're not funny enough for it. I can handle yeah. all of that. What I couldn't handle was the viciousness. Of the way the, I identified the viciousness of the business yeah. that I felt was inappropriate, and I felt like maybe this was just not my place because
3: that's not who I am. I'm not that vicious. Yeah, I get that totally. I, I've had that thought often,
0: but With- I but uh, it's but I but I walked from it. I mean, I I, I learned from it. I came back, and you know I. Uh, When I do comedy, John actually brought me, I went back, I got my redemption on that stage through John uh, and and Brian Swinehart, and I went up there, and it was really weird, man, because it was six years since I had taken that stage, and I didn't know what I was going to feel like, Yeah, because the last time I was there, I literally got punched in the gut, you know? And it went great. It was a redemption, and I have since moved on with my life. So there, you know, between John and, and Swinart helped me out with that, it actually made a huge difference. Tommy was gone. Like hey, that was when the beginnings the, of yeah, like the change. To, of what, Tommy and,
1: leaving was the start, and then and then people who took it over are doing their best to. I mean, obviously they bring huge names in there now. Yeah, and, and with those huge names comes. A better attitude, and everyone's having a better time. And yeah, of course you're going to be fucking smiley when Jim Carrey rolls in to do the roast battle and hangs out for an hour. You know what I mean? Like, a,
3: yeah, I think it's I think comedy in general is in a better place. Yeah. And uh, back then, everybody that was in the game, there was no foreseeable payoff. Yeah, there weren't everything was reality television. Nobody gave a crap about stand up comedy. Now stand ups, you don't need television or film to sell tickets. Back then, it was like mediocre comics. We're getting work on the road right. because people could uh, uh, associate them with a t- television show. Yeah, like right. they have been of.
2: on
1: something. They had a TV credit.
3: Right. Now people just want stand-up because of podcasts, because of social media, because of satellite radio. Yep. People have an appreciation for the art form. And then that appreciation has led to more work and film and television. And now there's the waitresses are making money, the comics are and happier, happier. There's people, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's people. Nothing succeeds like success. Yeah, it's all momentum.
1: So now it's a really cool place to be a part uh, of. And just, Netflix and Hulu and all those people absolutely. have completely really, really because Comedy Central was running comedy into the ground. They were shitting on it and not doing anything correctly.
0: Well, they were well, more of a casting thing. Again, yeah. I think it goes back to what Steve was talking about. Was the, I sometimes I, I felt like Comedy Central was casting comedians versus actually no. really
1: developing
3: developing with comedians where, where Netflix is just like putting comedians out there and like
0: comedy awesome. speak
3: for itself. I think comedy, there's a, a correlation between comedy and technology. Like I don't, I haven't heard anybody else say this, but I started to think about it. Like there's generations of comics associated with each medium. Like you had your radio comics and mm-hmm. then there was a comedy boom. You had television. There was a comedy boom. Then when the first thing I really remember was cable
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah.
3: then that boom. Put yeah, on yeah. like a boom for like Soon eight as to you ten get years.
1: HBO in your house. It was. Yeah, it was like, comedy. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah, And
3: then I remember when there was. I remember I used to love Comedy Central. I was yeah. like, oh my god. Do you Sam- remember when
1: Comedy Central was just a half hour block on the Hot Network? Hot yeah, Network. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was
3: two. There was two different comedy channels, and then they merged.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I, well, was I thought a comedy, comedy Central nerd. was like a news thing, totally and then right, it was yeah. like, then it just kind of got. It took over the Hot and it became its own channel. It was. I don't
3: know. I think there like, were two, and then I'm not sure. But I just remember
1: there was a lot. I even remember
3: the half hour Comedy Hour. MTV like comedy was hot yeah I used to call it
0: sick in high school so I could watch Evening at the Improv which was on Annie in the the middle of the
1: afternoon yeah oh I remember watching guys like Brian Regan (laughs) yeah on the A-list on uh, was that VH1 or MTV the A-list or was that Comedy Central I I think it was Comedy Central the first time I saw Brian Regan was on the A-list doing the Donut Lady oh so great so I was like oh that guy's but the first I've said this before but the first stand-up I ever saw on TV remember the show Turkey Television no. On Nickelodeon. <gasps> it was a it was a show on Nickelodeon and they had Dana Carvey doing his chop and broccoli thing on stage uh, at a show like not on this was before he was on SNL. Wow. And I was like I remember seeing that and me and my brother were like oh, this, this guy's fucking ever. hilarious because that was so like we knew like musicians it was like it just it was really funny. Yeah, for me I romanticized comedy in my world.
0: There was two types of comedy that I romanticized growing up. One was Tonight Show standups, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. The other one was um, Rodney Dangerfield HBO specials, amazing. Small, smoky,
2: yeah. personal
0: rooms. They were shock, and break. it felt like. You there was there. a personal connection and you were a part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what per- drew me. I never really related to like the premium blends and where the bigger audience stuff, unless it was somebody relatively famous, like maybe a Robin Williams special or Steve Martin or something like that. Where yeah. they where they
3: had earned like this more of a superstar. I thing. remember Ari Shafir commenting on that a few years ago. He was like, Why if you're a club comic are you shooting your specials in theaters? And he was like, It's not and then Ari shot his in a small club. Gerard shot his. Both those guys shot At the in sky, the original, original. room. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: yeah, I think that I think it, it looks cooler.
0: Well, I think, I think it's think more accessible. A, I guess, and I, and I could be told this is just my personal opinion. I always feel disconnected watching comedians on TV or on the internet or whatever when they're performing in too big of an audience. I mm-hmm. feel like I feel a disconnect there. Yeah, because I feel like there's just this big rock rock stage rush. Of laughter that's not really allowing that connection, because it, you they're, they're, I think Steve Martin talked about this in his book. Where he realized it really changed the dynamics of being a performer when yeah, you just get thing. too
1: many people. It's a
0: different thing in a room. It makes
1: it harder. Yeah, for I mean, your his bow and, and arrow persona. thing in a club was hilarious. You put it at Alpine Valley, and you're like, "What's he doing?" Yeah, like, I'm in the lawn back here. Like, yeah. I can't see anything.
0: <laughs> or even if there is a TV, it's forty thousand people yeah. yelling. Yeah, and comedy's not a yelling. No. Response. Even when, well, it's not, cool. It's not don't a yelling
1: response. It can, the comic can be a yeller. Like you no, can no, have no. I'm kiss. talking yeah. with the audience. The I'm audience. with the audience. Yeah, it's not like a... I
3: think uh, the best thing about comedy, and this is just my opinion, out of all forms of entertainment, I think live. When you're in the audience, you're part of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I know with my style of stand-up, I will not do well with a bad audience. Like, there are some guys that are just so great at crafting jokes, they could almost do it in a vacuum.
1: Right, right, I, right, right. I don't... I'm not... You need I have the audience to, to be into it. Yeah, I need yeah. to
3: feel like I like the audience and I need to feel like they like me. Yeah. And when you're in the room, there's like even classic comedy specials on television, it's still so much better when you're there live. So yeah. if anybody's listening to this and you haven't been to a comedy club, I'm sure the vast majority of people haven't. No, have not. Yeah. Have not. We're, we're speaking to a whole new generation and they're yeah, learning. Did the you clubs, notice it's that, so that uh, fun. this new generation which
0: excites me about it and and, and I'm, my comedy is mostly about raising kids so I, obviously mm-hmm. I'm talking to a completely different generation but yeah, but, YouTube has been... It's amazing. ...has been comedy's best friend. Absolutely. And I think that's going to drive more people to shows. I really do believe that. Absolutely, But there needs to be the encouragement, like what you're talking about, to go. Don't just watch it online. You definitely should want to see this live. It really is a different experience. If you
1: enjoy laughing at what you're looking at online, imagine imagine like 50, 60, 70, 100, 200 people around you laughing with you and 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 excellent even, point and even at different things that you might not have laughed at that it will now bring out laughter yeah. in you. and it gets contagious yeah, and you feel it yeah. my you parents, legitimately yeah. feel it. a my good parents, show is really you know kind of the shit it's the best really. i agree I my parents are in their mid 80s and
0: Aww. they still talk about seeing bob newhart Ugh. in chicago newhart. Wow. at a very small club Legends. sitting in the front row watching him oh, so what does God. that tell you your parents That's are amazing. old <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yes. That's that's just one one of the points to make out of this. Um... No, but yeah, I mean, be careful. My dad probably listens to all these. My, my dad's my number one fan. Oh, so aw, yeah. that's awesome. And, and
1: he's <laughs> he's probably not my number one fan. No, now he hates you. Well, hey, that, that when I loaded, when I just showed up as a corpse and laid out on the. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's the guy. He's able to talk now. That's interesting. Um, <sighs> yeah. No. I. But Bob Newhart would be awesome oh, to see in the club <laughs> duties. So I would funny. love to meet him. Yeah, my buddy, I, my buddy met him, took him oxygen once in, in Aspen. He was like, dude, I just took oxygen to Bob Newhart. Wow. Not I that he was uh, in bad shape, but they were taking oxygen to all the green rooms. He was Bob at the, was the Cubs game two weeks ago. I saw it. was like Steve Byrne got a picture with him. I was so oh jealous. Yeah. Was, well, at the, at the LA one? Yes. Yeah, the at, no-hitter? Yes. Yeah, wow. That's fantastic that Bob Newhart was there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I uh, Mike Black tipped me off to when Bob Newhart wrote his uh, his book. Great book. And I went there, and I got to shake his hand, <gasps> and it was that was enough
3: for me. Yeah. I, that was totally enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I always reference this Bob Newhart story to all comics. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. I saw this documentary on Newhart. It was amazing. And the last scene of the documentary was a single camera following him backstage in Vegas. And as he's approaching, it's a sold-out theater there to see Bob Newhart. The guy's an icon of comedy, yep. okay? He's probably been doing, a, what, 50 – sold more rec- comedy records than the Beatles sold music in one of like bit like in the sixth – like insane. Right. So he's about to walk through the curtain. They're asking him about stand-up comedy and he goes, well, the great thing about stand-up comedy is you never know how it's going to go. <laughs> and then he popped through the curtain and I was like, if Newhart doesn't know if he's going to have a good set, who am I? Yeah. I don't beat myself up anymore. I'm like sometimes, hey man, it just wasn't my night.
1: Yeah, and and also, isn't his book called Why Am I Doing This? <laughs>
2: yeah. So I it's think like, it is.
1: Which is which is great because even he even says it right before he goes on every time. He's still like, oh Jesus, what am I doing out there? But why do people want to see me for? Yeah, oh, this is like you, and I don't I, I don't think that ever really goes away. You're like every. Every time you're looking at an audience before you go on, you're like, God, I just want these people to fucking like me and like laugh at what I say. <laughs> I said this to an audience last week because sometimes I've, I would try too hard and I'm like, why am
3: I trying too hard? And then I verbalized that. Right. And it was a break. It was a little mini breakthrough. This is what I yeah. love about stand up. And I was trying really hard and I stopped myself because audiences are like women. They'll lose respect for you if you try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at the audience and half the room was great often that is the time where it's like contagious on one side and positive and like you just need some negative Nellies <laughs> to spread their negative yeah, energy yeah, on the yeah, other yeah. side of the room so I looked at the side of the room that was not having as much fun and I just got really honest I went I have so much joy inside of me that I just want to put it into your heart I just want you to be happy that you're alive and happy that you made this decision to come here because yeah. I was like I know this isn't easy I know it's even with free tickets it seems like it's a cheap night but then it gets expensive and you have babysitters and park and then they were like Okay, we're gonna laugh for you now, <laughs> and it was just, and then I didn't have to force it. I could just stay there at you my go. level. Yeah, the uh, you know
0: how the improv's uh, have all those videos that play before their yes. shows. They should have you actually just be like, all right, everybody, here's here's what I know is going on in your life right now, yeah, <laughs> yep. and just have you give that feel good. That speech, would be great. Loosen everybody up
1: like a comedy Braveheart speech. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would be awesome. They can take your your babysitters can take your money. I don't know
2: why they <laughs> take your
3: laughter. <laughs> that's
1: that's hysterical. I have a sword
0: for no reason. <laughs> So, Steve, you are from Philadelphia. Yes, or are the you suburb. A, a suburb? A suburb kid? This so is huge difference. This so is let's
1: the fucking. This is the fun, it's, I'm sorry. It's the funniest thing for me that I've spent the majority of my life just shitting on Philadelphia as a sports community because I think I've always thought the worst fans. Everybody I know in the NFL is like the worst. The worst. Everybody's the worst, and everybody I know in LA who's from Philadelphia and is an Eagles fan. Is there some of the like Steve Simone, Sean Green, Jimmy Schubert, like the ni- some of the nicest people I've met out here, <laughs> and I'm i always like I gotta reevaluate that I guess maybe and they that's wouldn't the be that still live ever. there. That's, that's a, the well I think I we've know. talked about that too, but they might not be. You're right. So growing up, mm-hmm. and
0: I know this is you spend this is what you I I know most of you know, well I know your staged life for the most part. of, yeah. like you know growing up as a kid, but. Yep. When was it? Where was the moment? Where was the connect where you were like, show business? Yeah. I mean, Ooh. it sounds like you were just a fun kid. And you, like any kid, you're just enjoying life. You love your favorite cartoons. You love your favorite TV shows. Yeah. You love all that stuff. You just love being a kid. Absolutely. But where was it in your life when you were like, I'm, I'm going
3: somewhere else. And it's oh, okay. not going to be a nine to five job in my life. This guy's life. Okay. That's a great distinction because I was always fascinated with show business. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like, I loved movies. I loved comedy. But I didn't – and I used to interview myself on the toilet when I was a little kid, like three, four years old. Only on the
0: toilet? You would never do interviews? No, because I didn't know how to read. That's what you do before you
3: read. Okay. And I would be like – I thought I wanted to be an actor when I was really little. Like a baby. Like a little – I don't know. As soon as I knew you could pretend for a living. Okay. And I think it had something to do with Bill Bixby and the Incredible Hulk. I'm not sure. Not bad. I was like, wait, is he the Hulk? Is he a lot – wait, he's definitely friends with the Hulk. (laughs) I want that job. (laughs) But I didn't think – I could realistically do it. I thought for some reason somebody that grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia was not allowed to ever be in show business. You're in you're, you're you're Philly. Do, yeah. You're
0: supposed to stay in that area, that part of town. Yeah, And in that world. And there are – you grow – like did you come from a, like a, a place where it was like you go to school – Mm-hmm. You, you meet a sweetheart somewhere yes. between that and college. Correct. You get a you marry 100%. white picket dogs, kids. You get a right. decent job. If you right. play if some you, softball, you have your corner bar. And you watch that. Games games? Games? Right.
3: Absolutely, everybody okay. was married with ki- with kids by the time they were thirty. Okay, so so it was like you're married at twenty five. Yeah, start saving some money, have kids by the time you're thirty, <laughs> and then the pressure was to, and I think we were the first generation to have this ridiculous pressure. But it was like uh, not only have kids by the time you're 30, but if you were a winner, you'd be almost retired by the time you were 30. Right, right. Like you were – because I remember that – Right after college for me was that dot com craze. Yeah. The first late 90s, People early 2000s, billions, billions of of and dollars, dollars out right. of nowhere.
1: You're like, holy shit.
3: Right. So it was like you need the IPO and you go to, all right, if it's not happening, retool yourself, go to law school, get an MBA, JD, MBA, get out there, get into the private equity. Like there was that pressure to be like a winner, so to So speak. how
0: long did you play the system? So you said you did go to college. How yep. did you go to school? Where did you go to college?
3: I went to Loyola in Baltimore. Okay, so you you stayed relatively close, but not not close, close. Yeah, and I felt like it's so funny how your perspective changes. Baltimore's maybe an hour and a half drive from Philly, so it could realistically take me an hour and a half to get back to Sherman Oaks today. Right. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Realistically. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And yeah. I don't even think about it. I yeah. went to school 35 minutes away from my house. But it is felt it like going away to college.
2: You were was, like, I'm I was. leaving
1: Philadelphia. Yes. I'm going to Baltimore. Yeah, it's and just... I thought it was such a big deal. Here's how I did I didn't go, go to big...
3: Villanova. I didn't go to Villanova. I got early accepted to Villanova. You did. Should have gone there, in hindsight. <laughs> uh, but Baltimore was like, no, it's going to have different rock stations. Because like, in Philly, we had WMMR and YSP. And in Baltimore, at the time, it was 98 Rock. And I was like, it, different, different tunes. Different it tune. Turns
1: out, same tunes. Different
3: yes, stations. yes, exactly. Exact, <laughs> same, same exact layout. tunes. Same exact mentality. Yeah. Like blue collar, white collar hybrid. What'd East you coast go to anger. for? Marketing. And okay. the game plan was, I thought marketing could be a very creative job. Like I thought I could like work in advertising or something as a backup plan. But my game plan as an undergraduate was uh, marketing undergrad go to law school, be a sports agent and like work on like David Falk was a hero of mine in college. Like I was like, oh, this guy invented the Air Jordan. He, he invented sports marketing. Like that's what I thought I was going to do.
0: Were you an athlete? Huh?
3: No. Okay, okay. So as it a kid what, I was but actually But not but
0: not you didn't go to you didn't go to college and play sports and all that kind no. of no okay. Like right. sports though. Yeah, I like you're sports. You've always like that's always has been
1: a running theme, right? Yeah,
3: and you know what it was? I was a good athlete when I was a little kid and then they put too much pressure on me. Okay. Not necessarily my parents, but I mean real little kid. The system did. Yeah, like 7 8 years old, they were like, "Oh, you're going to be on the traveling team and you're an all-star." And I was like, "Oh,
1: I'm 7, guy." Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize
3: sports traditional f- Team sports could be fun until I was on the comedy store softball team. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's really sad. You that see that, is that out really here, sad, is that man, because that's like from seven years old to fucking in your twenties. Yeah, like it took me
3: twenty. Like I stayed. So when I got to uh, junior high, when it started to become, everybody played in elementary school, but then it was jocks. As soon as you got to junior high, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I was like, ooh, I'm gonna ride a skateboard. Okay. So I just skated for a couple of years and then drank beer for were you, attention.
1: Were you uh, Were you any good? Fun? What I drank <laughs> beer because it was awesome. I tr- I just drank it because I just wanted people to think I was cool. Uh, I was like, I
3: might not be an athlete, but really... I could chug six of these before we leave the parking lot. <laughs> this walk. is super delicious, you guys. Do you guys want to talk about how delicious this is?
0: Always, we're drinking beers, being cool with this deliciousness. Oh,
3: it tastes like battery acid when I was fifteen.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, I was like, I can't believe people. Were think you this still good.
0: pull tabs or pop tops at that point? Uh, or is it because everything's pop top now, or was it bottle? I was just I was just on the cusp of the final pull tabs because you could make the pull tab uh, chains. Oh, yeah, that's of all the cool. beer. And, that, and that was your, like, your sign of like, yeah, me and my buddies <gasps> are cool. We had the Look Mickey's big mouth, uh, yeah, that's oh. hand grenades. That was yeah, that's cool why pad. it tasted like battery acid, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus. Yep. um, a eh, lot of nights of tears, huh, Stevie? Yeah, all right, good. So, you so you go to college mm-hmm. now. We we you we kind of jumped, but you were yeah. interviewing yourself on the toilet. Now you're in college. So yep. where, where does this, you're this interviewing yourself? Yeah, and like and you're three, probably three, still four doing years that in college. So, we, yeah, but, so but when when does the the, the the toilet interview guy come back and say I'm still I'm still going to do try out this I'm going to be the I'm going to be the guy that breaks the
3: mold of this side of town um, and I'm out of here, everybody. Um, well, I remember my last semester of college. This is really funny and sad. My last semester of college I had a completely free elective and I was thinking law school. So I was like, should I take a, like a some sort of undergraduate law class and I had a professor that was like, you're in college, man, just do something fun. Yeah. cuz I was like so type A awful. Like I was more mature at 20 than I am now, for sure. Okay. Huh. Um, you a good student? Good student. Okay. Had a had a job as an undergrad, like work study job, volunteer like I was one of whatever. Okay. Um, no, Because no, I thought there? it mattered. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yes. because they tell, you, believed, it yeah, they tell you it matters. Everything. Yeah, I believed everything. And mm-hmm. then my quarter-life crisis started my last semester in college. And I was like, wait a second. I was so naive. I was like, that girl's grades are – like they were totally hot chicks getting these awesome jobs. Yeah, <laughs> And I'm like, but her- she's not smart. She doesn't have a good work ethic. So I had no idea like how the world worked. Like hot chicks are going to get the job over a chubby white dude that's working hard. That that kid who barely made it through college, he's going to go work for his dad. Yeah. And that other kid, his, his uncle is a mortgage broker and he's yeah. going to make 200 grand right out of college because his uncle got him the job. And I was like this kid that just worked hard that had no connections, didn't know anybody. In the back of my brain, I took this elective class um, – where I did stagecraft. I built sets because I, w- I didn't want to admit that I wanted to do acting. Okay. I was like, you can't. Everybody will give me the business.
1: Oh, <laughs> what? Everyone um, in Philly? or All my
3: ever? friends. Yeah. And then uh, I graduate from school, go corporate America, could not handle it. Worked in corporate bank for a credit card company. It okay. sucked.
0: Ooh, how long uh, did you do that so for? So other, th- other than building uh, those sets, you still were not – you did nothing. You just kept it to yourself. Okay.
3: Yeah. Like I it was in the fifth grade play <laughs> – Killed
0: it. To this day, they still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you say that, you mean you and, and the toilet
3: interviews, or do you Dude, still interview
0: yourself on the toilet?
3: People, no. Okay. I wish I I, I do podcasts now instead. Um, <laughs> ah, hopefully I, hopefully not the, on the toilet. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're so you're doing okay. So, so here I you know, are. Look, man. I was a ten with, year old kid. Did a fifth grade play. People really. They were like, Oh, you're, you're gonna be on shit. Broadway and one you, day. I played a
2: jester. So I got to be comedy. Got to be funny. So
0: so here. So okay. So, when was the when was the moment? So here where were you where were you living and working at this time? Did you go back home? Yeah, I lived in Baltimore for a little bit, did a few open mics in Baltimore. Okay, all right. So let's talk I about that. I made a promise to away. myself. So uh, what was the decision you made? Yeah, what's, okay, let's talk about this open mic thing cuz again, open mics you think Chicago, you think New York, you think Los Angeles. This is Los Baltimore. Angeles. Yeah. This is Baltimore. I I'm taking a imagine. city bus. Yeah, but I I can't imagine that that open mics and stand-up comedy as part of Baltimore's psyche. So what, how did you even get to that point? What was going on with you where you're like, I'm going to do this open mic stand-up comedy
3: thing? Like- yeah, I remember there was a little cool like, alleyway in Baltimore where people they would shut down the street, and you could drink outside when it was nice. It was called Water Street. And I, uh, there was a little tiny comedy club up there, and it's at, they had a flyer for open mics. And I was like, ooh, I'm gonna do this one time. I didn't have the courage. Okay, so you, so okay. then I graduated college, and I remember I was taking a city bus for a job interview, and I passed that Water Street place, and which I hadn't been to for a year. And I went, if that comedy club's still there, I made a promise to myself. I was like, God, if I get this job, I'm gonna do an open mic. And I did like three open mics, killed it. The guy had me come in and promote a show. So my third. I did two open mics. The third open mic I did, we charged a $5 cover. I called all my friends, and the guy let me keep three out of the five bucks. So, And then they sold out a beer. So wow! <laughs> I <laughs> made – he gave me a bonus. I made like $500 Holy my shit. third time on stage. What? So, yeah. So God I was like, oh, damn. this is – I'd be no happy for this? that now. Right. And that, that – dude, if I was making 500 a show now, I'd be stoked so i'm like oh this is gonna be easy and then they stopped doing open mics there i get the corporate job i don't go on stage i had that wait that was bug. it for a second and yeah. then it was like it was boom and then boom yeah like maybe one more open mic after that but nobody showed up like whatever were it was, you doing traditional jokes or were you are you are you you are who you are was it pretty much yeah pretty much the same style and uh
0: definitely at least out of the gate do you remember and, your first thing you said on stage the first time you walked up. And did no. you did you sweat it a lot before your
3: first time? Oh, I drank. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, as far as like the writing, what am I going to talk about? What am I? I'm like oh, how long? You did know you put what a into part that. of it was? I thought every time I was on stage, it had to be different. Yeah. Yeah. So I did 20 minutes my first time ever on stage. Which is pretty crazy for an open mic, crazy, but continue. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. They let me go on last, because I brought like 10 friends. Uh, okay. So it was before the advent of bringer shows, but I think bringer shows were created because of guys like me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I really do. I yeah. think people are you like... trace it back? It's going to be you. The $500 clown. guy. Yeah. So they're like, oh, idiots like this, they think they're comics. And they have friends. They'll bring all their friends. Who's they're going to quit, at jokes and or laugh at them more of them failing. will yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um... So I did 20 minutes my first time. The owner of the club was like, that doesn't just happen. He was like, is it, was this really your first time? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, oh, OK.
2: <laughs> he
3: was like, you got to keep on doing this. But you didn't. <clears throat> well, I came back the next week. And then that's when he was like, OK, I'm going to make you an offer. Bring your friends. I'll give you a cut of the door. And I was like, okay, this is going to be easy. And then I started to call other clubs. I was like, I'm moving to New York. This is, I'm, <laughs> no, yes, there it is. Yeah. Oh, you need the delusion to keep, to yeah, get yeah. you. The delusion is rocket fuel. Yeah. That will to use your net to get you off your normal life. Yeah. yeah. You need to be completely crazy to think that I'm not, like, I should be in Philly right now. Most likely, maybe I'd stayed in sports marketing. But most likely probably would have had to quit that kind of job to make more money to provide for a family. And I'd probably be in like some sort of financial services job, not very happy and definitely not fulfilled. But don't you think, and we've talked about this with a lot of our guests,
0: especially the ones that do stand up, mm-hmm. and even acting, you have to be delusional because oh, your absolutely. friends and family are going to say no. Yes. You are crazy. No. Don't you
3: dare follow your dreams. Don't you do this. Do, don't, do, no, don't give up. <laughs> know is like, more What am I giving up for me? It was uh, – nobody said that to me, really. Well,
0: I was just going to say, I want to clarify. My family actually uh, supported me. My friends, though, back home were like, whatever, dude. We'll see in six months. Okay, here's
3: what's really interesting. It's a great distinction. When I was like 22 and everybody was like, you have to – go. you got to find an open mic. You got to do more comedy. And I had moved back to Philly from Baltimore and there was no comedy at the time. And when I was like 22, 23, all my drinking buddies – were like, you're special. You should just leave and go to Hollywood. They, even they wanted you out. Wow. Right. Wow. Everybody. Everybody I met. Everybody was like, dude, you're the funniest person. Like, parents would have me. Like, I, would, I was the kid that, like, when I was 18, people's parents would come down and hang out with me in the living room and just laugh. <laughs> for sure. Nice. Um, but then I didn't have the courage to really do this until I was, like, 27. Okay. And what was really kind of, I still had the complete support of my family and some of my friends, but from twenty two to twenty seven, that five years broke a lot of my friends, in the sense they were like, "What are you doing?" Well, because right, you you now know looking back on the journey, it's
0: mostly struggle. It's not oh, success. It's, all struggle. it's struggle. So at some point, people are, they start coming to the shows. They don't see a
3: killing anymore, and they go, "Ooh, has he? Have you, did you what? ever have that moment? Yeah. Where well, this is what happened." So, like, by the time I was 27, but still all of my friends' parents that were, like, in their late 40s, early 50s, they were like, you're young. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Who cares? yeah, yeah. yeah. They are like, I believe in you. And then, like, even guys that were, like, like attorneys. See, where I grew up was a great mix of people. Like, there was, like, union contract, like, union carpenters and plumbers next door to attorneys, next door to a guy that had, like, a paper route in the morning and then high, taught high school chemistry in the afternoon while right. getting his PhD at night. like a great mix everything was in that neighborhood so there were people that were like I thought they were like super happy and rich and they were like I hate my
1: life right just go for it and if so, I could have if I would have been as funny as you yes I would have given anything too yes and you're like Jesus okay yeah alright see I
3: like that I like that yeah it was really that- cool but then I felt really terrible that I didn't make it <laughs> Like I'm out here starving, struggling, living with Fat James in a one-bedroom apartment, no car, and I'm like, what have I done? And then not only did I feel like a failure for how I was living my life, but I felt like I let everybody else down that believed in me So were for you a long time. How
0: long did you stand up in, um, in and around uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia or Philadelphia before you actually moved out to Los Angeles? Not that much. And why did you choose Los Angeles over uh, New York? Because it was
3: so far away, I knew I couldn't quit. Okay, so that was your actual. All right. Yeah, I
1: knew I would quit. Too, if too I moved safe. To New York. You go to New York, it's not working out. You're train. Like, to a a train, train home.
3: home. Yeah, yeah, train home, and I was like, mm, I'm not going to stick it out. Plus, I hated cold weather. I was, and I was, I knew it was going to be brutal. I, kn- I didn't. Qu- it's like when you, you didn't see know the fist. didn't how brutal. Right. I knew the fist was coming for my face. You just didn't know how heavy it was. I just
2: didn't then know how it was how holding a roll hard. of quarters. Correct. And it was
1: made of fucking
3: cinder Absolutely. block. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then the truth was I didn't move out here to do stand-up. Okay. All right. So, okay. So I let's talk moved about out that. here. The day you decided to go to LA, what was your plan? I had read a book by Peter Fairley called Comedy Writer. It's a novelization of his life. Okay. It's a great book. Um, at least if you're a comedy nerd and you love movies and comedy, it's a great book. Yeah,
1: Peter, I mean, yeah. That's... The Fairly Brothers, yeah. to me, their
3: first three movies out of the gate are as fun yeah. as it gets. Yep. I mean, Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. Kingpin, Kingpin, and There's Something so About, about Mary. Yep. Kingpin, yeah. Yeah. All Kingpin, Kingpin is... Kingpin might be Kingpin the is, best out
1: of the three. Kingpin is, in my opinion, the best out of those three, but also on par with, like, Caddyshack. Absolutely. And, and uh, Spies Like Us, and yeah. just oh, crazy. shit. crazy. Like...
3: And, and they're all slightly different tones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like,
3: these guys are geniuses. Yeah. So he wrote this book, and it really inspired me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to write comedy scripts. Um, I'd been out here on a vacation and I saw that Second City was moving to the improv. This is like the year 2000. I was like, wait a second. I don't have to go to Chicago to learn how to do improv because I loved stand-up. But I I had heard too many horror stories about it, about sleeping in your car and how it doesn't matter if you're funny and it takes years and years and years. And
1: years and years and
3: years. So I was like, I love Bill Murray. I love Chris Farley. I love comedic acting. I'm like, I could get a marketing job, take these second city classes, work on my scripts at night. And it just never worked that way. I went from just driving out here, not knowing anybody, getting a job in a pizza place getting a job at the comedy store, answering phones. Oh. Stop for one second.
0: I it. want you to take oh. me through those first. I got something. First,
3: that first month. So you drove out here by yourself. No friends. It was crazy. No friends, right? Okay, this is what I, I Okay, there was a kid that graduated with my younger brother. That <laughs> was, it was always, a year younger than that me. There was that one person.
2: Random one, dude. Random dude. Yeah, yeah, I love <laughs> it. Matt yeah. Paul, I
3: love you, buddy. You were always there. <laughs> so um, this is how crazy I was. I had no apartment, no job. But you called him and said, no money. I had, like – I drove out here with, like – I left my house with, like, $1,200. That's just to pay most of the gas and the fact that – By the time I get to L.A., I have, like, $800 no, Jesus, I <laughs> and no credit money. card. Oh,
2: wow. So you were that I, guy.
3: Crazy. Yeah. It's insane. I have no idea how I survived. So I, uh, I'm on Sunset. There's that stinky motel across the street from Rock and Roll Ralph's. Oh, yeah. It's like forty bucks a night. Yeah. I pay the forty bucks. I walk in. It smells so bad. Yeah, that I I've never been that assertive in my life. I'm like, you're giving me my fucking forty dollars. <laughs> I'm
0: not staying. <laughs> here. I'm not staying. I was asleep sleep in your
3: car. Yeah. So then I I go. Uh, there's that Best Western across from the Comedy Store. We had, I had stayed there nine months earlier my, on my first trip to LA, but nine months earlier it was like January and it was like 40 bucks a night on a hot wire deal. Now it's the middle of tourist season, late August or early September. It's like 150 bucks. Yeah. I'm like I have no money. Yeah. Fuck. So then I go walk down the Mel's, call this kid Matt to graduate with my younger brother. He let me stay on his couch. I stayed on his couch for like 2 weeks. Did you feel bad the whole time?
0: Did you? Did you I mean, I, I always look back in the fact because I, I did a little bit of couch surfing, and there's mm-hmm. there's those days you just feel horrible about yourself because you're like, this person's helping me out, but I still feel horrible. At yeah, the fact that I've got it that I am inconveniencing this human being for my ridiculous dreams, and they're being cool, but yep. I feel bad. Yeah, and you want to you want to pay it back to him tenfold, but you you can't. Yeah. because you got nothing. You know what you I got mean? Nothing. It's, so what was your driving force in those two weeks while you were there? Like what were you – it was, I was just like, a
3: job. I was like, yeah, you need to find something. You need to find a job and you need to find an apartment. You need to make it happen. So my younger brother had another buddy from college that was living in the South Bay. And he was like, oh, you're in Santa Monica. There's a great Wings place. They have pretty good pizza too. So I'm like, all right. So I go into that pizza place and I only knew one comedian in the world. It was this guy from New York named Joe Madaris. Oh, nice. You know Joe? Uh,
1: not personally, no. But. So anyway,
3: I go into the pizza place and <clears throat> this guy Brian Giuliano, who's now one of my best friends, was like, what do you do? He was like, where are you from? <laughs> he knew right away I was not from LA. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, Philly. He was like, no shit, really? Couldn't tell. So then he was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a comedy. He was like, do you know Joe Matterese?" I was like, "Uh, yeah. He's the only comedian I know. And Brian p- played baseball at GW with Joe's younger brother. Jesus. So then it was like, oh, here's a free slice of pizza. So then I went back, and they were just nice. Yeah. So then I kept on going back, and I remember I had a choice. I was like, I have $3 to eat. Do I go to McDonald's and give it to a faceless corporation, or do I go give my 3 bucks to the guy that was really nice to me? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, So that decision, that little decision changed my life because then I go back to the slice, and they offer me a job. So I uh, started delivering pizzas that day, and then they found, helped find me an apartment there. Okay. like, Okay. So we, our that's, our that's, buddy's moving out of a place. Do you need a place? And I was like, Yeah, I need a place. And it was six hundred bucks a month, which still sounded crazy, still, right? And I saw <laughs> Then by that point, I had to call my younger brother for like four hundred bucks. You pay him back.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's yeah, I went through the same thing. I ran out of money when I was out here. I leaned on my family. My family bailed me out. And if they hadn't bailed me out, that could have been the breaking point of oh, oh, sure. everything.
3: And you're done.
1: I was, yeah, I was and, out of money by uh, the time I got to Montana. I had to yeah. 600 <laughs> oh, bucks from my seriously. friend just to get here.
3: Yeah, well, then after I get into the apartment and everything and I get a job, I'm working at the pizza place and the comedy store. I had two day jobs for my first 10 years in L.A. And there was one year, and I know this sounds crazy, but there was one year I did not have a day off between – because I worked every job at the comedy store, I was doing telemarketing and making pizzas. I didn't have a day off. It was completely crazy. It but, makes sense to me because of the, the, how driven you are. But um, my car broke down, so I'm living in Santa Monica. <coughs> oh no! And I need a new transmission <coughs> in my car, and I have no idea that I could adjust. I don't know what's going on over you here okay? during your
1: story. Sorry, sneeze. What, what?
0: was that a sneeze? sneeze cough. Yeah.
3: I didn't know what that was. Okay. I feel like I should hear. It I thought John oh, was calling I a, a yak. Yeah, it was terrible. It sucked. And I remember the day like I had to take up three buses to get back to Santa Monica Ugh. to meet the tow truck driver to and then the bastards at Amco, they were such rip-off artists. The guy wound up going to jail. Like legitimately, <laughs> legitimately went to jail. Yeah, yeah, went to jail. And then I was living in a section 8 apartment with Stevie Z and didn't have a car and then I borrowed like $2,000 to get my car fixed and then it broke God. down again. Ugh. And I just didn't know how to do anything, man. I didn't I was Twenty-seven. I was. I should have gone from college to internship to normal yuppie job and never knew the struggles of life. No, no. And I probably would have been like, these people just don't work hard enough. I know. I. (laughs) Do you know? There's people that they literally don't have compassion because they haven't been there. But But, now when I see a guy taking out the trash, I used to have the Mexican guys in the kitchen used to make fun of me for working too hard. Yeah, they'd be like. (laughs) You know how funny that is. They'd be like, "Amigo, I got it," and they're making fun of me because I would, I would, I would mop the floors. I would take out the trash, and it was a cr- crazy, crazy experience. There's no way I could go through. I could survive again. No, no. Way. I, but I you,
1: think as as a younger, even in your 20, 27, you know, because I came out when I was 24, but you bounce. You, you're able to deal with that kind of shit. Like, mm-hmm. I went, even when I went to Europe when I was younger, like, I couldn't go that way again. I couldn't just no. camp and carry my shit on my back. I no. had to fucking get a hotel room and, like, yeah. sleep in beds, not yeah. on the fucking to, like, dude, I was on,
2: on, on a trains. couch.
3: I had this awful gig not too long ago where they t- – <laughs> I'm sleeping on somebody's couch instead of – and I'm like, I can't do this anymore, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's certain points in your life where you can do things very grateful for everything I survived, but now I, I'm learning to say no yeah. to a lot more. Yeah. To a lot more.
0: Well, you know, the, 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 the sleeping on the couch, but to me, I think the, the part that resonates with me is when you have a $2,000 car bill, and this is a city where busing is just, it just doesn't work, Not man. Easy. You can't
1: it, survive. It, it you does. Can't. It's just, you have to be so patient and be willing to spend so much time. But you, But
0: because of the nature of what you're ultimately trying to accomplish- you're at the mercy of other people driving you around that could cost you something and, oh, and, and it, your goals. So that, there's that there's that there's that point of like, you hit that th- that wall and you're like, I'm either going to crash through this wall or I'm going to let this wall kick me and send me home. And it's like, and you, it usually is. I'm spending too much money. Everything is breaking down around me. This is just not. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I am out of here. And we uh, we know we know those people. We should have. I I know you shouldn't have, but but you shouldn't have. I'm saying, but we've seen those. I have friends that came out with me. They're long gone. Oh yeah, Yeah. they were like, and I
3: don't blame them.
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) that's my point. I go okay. Somebody, it's like, all right, I I get it. Yeah,
3: I remember one of the lowest, not lowest points, but like God definitely has a vicious sense of humor. Like I I totally believe in God. There's no way I would have gotten through this L.A. experience without faith. But the God I believe in is pretty cool, and he's a ball breaker sometimes. (laughs) I was living in a Section Eight apartment, one bedroom apartment with this kid named Stevie Z, who had cerebral palsy, who legitimately kicked me out for a woman that may or may not have been a prostitute. This, okay. this is all true. Okay. Wait, permanently did so, you order just for the night? No, he no he because I was he moves kind of moves her in. It's a long story. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Got but it, got it, got I was okay, the f- it. only time I've ever given anybody an ultimatum because I was paying his rent.
0: Oh. Okay, he had got reduced
3: it. rent, but I was paying the bills, and I was like, "Hey, man, I don't trust this person." I knew she was at least a stripper. And I was like, I do not trust this. I'm not making a value de- judgment. I'm just saying I don't I, trust I, I don't her. Feel this, right this person,
0: about you've, you've checked them Right. Out. Like, Personal I would take like right.
3: my checkbooks with me whenever, and my passport whenever I left the apartment. And I was like, I can't live like this. Yeah. Um, and, he, and I was like, it's either her or me. And he was like, I understand everything you're saying makes sense. But if I have to make a choice, I'm going to choose her. <laughs> well, you know that's wow. what guys do; they choose yeah. the and, lady. You know, and within a week, she had robbed him and had people beat him up. Oh, it was bad. Really? She was a bad person. Yeah. Um, God. Uh. So I'm in that awful existence. Like I just borrowed two thousand dollars, and I still owe my aunt like a thousand of that still. <laughs> Uh I paid some of that back. Now that I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my That's God. That's okay. I,
0: no, no.
1: Uh, it's the intent. Just so you know, your relatives don't ever expect to see that money again. Yeah, I know, but
3: I still have to. Yeah. So anyway. uh But John does. I go, I'm not, wait, I put, and I didn't even call the mechanic and it was a different issue, but it's, the car never ran the same after I put the money into it. So kids, if you're listening and you ever need advice, come to me. I should have. <laughs>
1: Taken the two grand and bought a new car.
3: Uh, bought a new car. Yeah. yeah. I could have bought a Civic. Like I wound up buying a Camry years later for two grand. Yeah. That's still running to this day. You gotta know when to kick the car to the curb, man. You got That's a huge you. life car relationship job. There's a certain point you have to learn when to give. No, let actually, it go. more important, Steve. You need to have a mechanic you trust. We finally, got Jimmy in Silver Lake. He's the greatest. You have to have, have a, a mechanic you trust because they yep. will tell you you need to stop. This thing is done. Yeah. I'm not going to put a bandit on this. Put you want to hear what's crazy? The mechanic I had in Santa Monica, he was very honest, kind of expensive. He told me to get rid of it then, and I just didn't know. Oh, really? I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So I remember years later, I'm living in Santa like six, seven years later. That was the last time I saw the guy. He was like, hey, Steve. I'm like, how do you remember me? <laughs>
2: He's like, because you drove
1: off in a shitbox.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah. <laughs> was like, "There's was just something about you. He goes, you're, you're, he goes, I don't know. He was like, you're just, you're a nice guy. Because I remembered you. I was like, wow, that's crazy.
1: Oh, my guy would remember me the first mechanic I had because my car was such a nightmare. He, he basically at the end told me, he's like, I would never let you drive off with a car that's about to break down like this. But if you promise to leave, I won't charge you anything. And wow. uh, don't ever, whoever you get rid of the car to, don't give them my name. Wow, he's so like, sick of fixing well, it. Yeah, he was just... he Because that thing was, a, was an old BMW, and it was like a specialized... <sighs> everything was just... it was Pain the, in the ass. One of the dumb... I'd spent my grandma's inheritance on this car. My dad was like, you did fucking what? Like, Young he people was make yeah. silly decisions. Oh my God, I was an idiot. I was like, I'm gonna have a Beamer. I'm gonna have a stick shift Beamer. I'm gonna drive that around. Like, it's
3: the only way to learn, though. You yeah. have to make... So anyway, I am now no longer with Stevie Z. I'm living with a guy, God rest his soul, named Fat James. Yeah, Fat I James. I have no car, and... I would have to walk down this very steep hill to get to Rock and Roll Ralph's. I have like three grocery bags in each each hand. And then I just hear this click, 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 click sound. And I go, I know that sound. And it was the car that I had that I had donated. I didn't even (laughs) sell my car for (laughs) scrap. I donated my car to a charity and somebody had just gotten it fixed and they're parking it right That's in front hilarious. of me. And I'm like, really, Can't God? I know that sound. I know that awful sound. It's taunting oh you. God. Taunting me. Taunting you. Taunting me. But reminding you.
1: Um, you've moved on. And, and I yeah, yeah. never
3: gave go- up. I have no idea where that came from. Rudy would have quit
1: at about 2003. Uh, <laughs> so, I just, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, well g- 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 with your question, I want to ask you a question about when you were delivering pizzas. Um, I, I work pretty heavily in hidden camera yep spy tv that was yeah me. so i have seen clips Wait, what? of yeah this is a true story doug stanhope used to be on a show called spy tv and one of the setups was they were doing surgery in a hotel room motel surgery or whatever yes. and they would order pizzas and the pizza guy would show up and he'd come in the room and there'd be a guy splayed open and like dogs operating and he needs it's all bloody and he's like hey you gotta hold this this guy's bleeding out or whatever it is okay and like they had a bunch of different reactions and someone goes someone told me he goes." I think Stano goes, uh, was it Stano? He goes, one of these dudes just jumped out the fucking window before we could stop him. And then yeah. I see the clip and I'm like, dude, that's Steve Simone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't the so one you, that jumped out the window. So no, okay, I thought you were
3: not in on the joke, though. No, this is, what I, this is a true story. Okay. I'm living in Stevie Z's apartment in Hollywood now. I'm on McCadden Place. This is 2001. It was before. That was still a rough neighborhood. Like there was one night where there was gunfire. That's another story. I'll tell you that was great. Yeah, but Hollywood was shitty back then. Terrible. Really shitty. Like one of the toughest guys I know was like, "You got to move out of this neighborhood <laughs> for sure." Yeah. Okay, so I take the two buses down to meet the Triple tow truck driver to tow my car from my old apartment out of the driveway to Amco. It was that day? So I'm like, I'm already down here in Santa Monica. You know what? If I walk the three miles to the pizza place, maybe they'll get – or two miles. Maybe they'll give me a free slice of pizza. I mean I'm broke. Walk down to the pizza place. They feed me. That's how cool the guys were. And they're like, hey, we have a delivery. Why don't you come with us and you run it up and I'll give you the tip. So delivery at a motel, I'm like, that's weird. I knock on the door and the guys like, come on in. I'm like, it's the pizza guy. They're like, come on in. It's the pizza guy. I go, dude, I, you don't know me. It's the pizza guy. Open your door. Like, I'm not one of those guys that, like, yeah. I have boundaries. So they're like, no, it's cool. Open the door. And I open the door. And I don't recognize Stanhope because he had a surgical mask on. Yeah. I didn't and glasses. I see all of it. And I go, oh, fuck this. And in my brain, I'm going, is this? Because I remember seeing, like, um, stage lights downstairs, uh, like, hidden behind a thing. Yeah. And I'm so like, you started what the- figuring it out. No. Oh. I'm going, what the fuck? I don't know. I have any idea what it is. I know I don't want any part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, uh, put the pizza down. Uh, I go, dude, it's like $17. And the guy's trying to get me. And I just look, and I'm like, fuck this. I go, keep the fucking pizza. And I left it.
2: <laughs>
1: and I
3: just walked out. Oh, OK, OK. So I just left. And I was like, I'm just not dealing with this. So then I was gone. And the- did you, she- by the way, the guys that took you, did they know? When no. They had, they
0: no had, had nobody had so any you idea. you went back
3: downstairs. You're like, dude's. He was just, like, was what like what's that? I'm like, it's a fucking shit show, this city. And uh, <laughs> the PA's running after me and they were Please like – sign
1: the release. Yeah,
3: and I shouldn't have signed the release because I bet you – From what I understand, what's, I never saw it. But on Spy TV, that was the first thing they aired was my reaction. They were like, the only guy that had common sense not to walk in. And I was like – That could have probably paid for my car. Yeah, if I said, "Bro, I'm not going to sign it." Give me fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, which still would have
1: been nothing for them. You just signed that for nothing. For like
3: twenty five bucks, they're like, "We'll give you a twenty five dollar tip." And I'm like, and I was so poor, and it was literally one of the worst days of my life because I took two buses to meet the AAA tow truck driver, and I felt bad. I'm like, I'm just having them tow this car to amco because i have nowhere else to bring it yeah because i'm living in hollywood i don't even have a parking spot
1: and there's no yeah you can't just leave it on the street can't just
3: leave it on the street they're gonna wind up getting tickets and towed. yeah just adding on top of adding on top life is all about momentum when things are going bad yeah and then i you start thinking worse positive thinking make positive decisions things change you've been hanging with brody stevens so
0: the yes um,
3: so when was the first time uh, –
0: so you get out here and you start doing – when did you start doing stand-up amongst all this chaos of your life? Uh, the actual part where you're like, here's why I'm um, here.
3: Mike Black put me up in – Mike Black. At the room in Santa Monica back when I was delivering pizzas. He had oh, another room. alley. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that, <laughs> yeah. but it's true. And then I tried to start doing open mics at the comedy store, but it was a pain in the ass then. Yeah. Well, well, well that's, that's you your like, – There was the list the night out. Night. Yeah. yeah they put the list out on Saturday night. It was the dumbest thing ever. They'd put a list out on Saturday night, the only night anybody was going to that club in the, those years. Yeah. So it was all the crazy open micers and homeless people scaring people. Yes. At the front front bar was a ghost town. Yes. For years. So you'd have to sign up on Saturday night, come back on Sunday to see – to draw a number or not draw a number. It sucked. Yeah. And there was no place to park on Saturday nights. So I'm like, this is a, this is crazy. Yeah. So then I had met Paulie at a comedy contest in Philly, called his road manager guy, and they gave me a job as a production assistant on this movie he was working on. And I was legitimately the only PA working. And I remember one day – it's like a 15-hour shoot and I was so miserable and so pissed that nobody else was working I'm, you guys work, work production. Yeah, you know yeah, that there's sometimes kids You can't kids be the there. only
1: PA. You need other people there. You need Yeah, and they help.
3: don't – you either have those PAs that are folk. They're like, I'm going to be a director one day. Yeah. Or those dudes that are just doing bong rips that yep. are they're trying to pick up extras. Yeah. So I was carrying a couch by myself up a flight of stairs. It wasn't a couch couch. It was like a love seat. Right, right. But it was still enough for even Pauly to go, oh, you're really work busting your ass. Uh I'm gonna get you in at the comedy store so you don't have to sign up for it. So
0: mics. you had already had a conversation when he knew that you wanted to be in comedy and all yeah, that. Well, stuff, so yeah,
3: well I won a contest when I was still in Philly. But he actually remembered that. Yes. Okay. He told me that night, he was like, What are you doing here? He was like, You deserve you should be at the comedy store. He was like, dude, you're fucking awesome. That's nice. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. It was like they're weird things. Like for as much chaos and you go, How do how did this happen? Like where you go, what makes you not quit? Yeah. What added to my delusion was there was just enough. Yeah. To
1: keep me like that's this town though too. Just when yes. you're thinking like nah, they're like hey you get boom you get this TV spot you're like oh cool and then nothing for like three years right and you're like maybe I should and like man you get this you're like oh cool yes <laughs> keeps you hanging. And on. I, I believe in foreshadowing. I believe God
3: foreshadows things in your life. And like I win this comedy contest with Paulie. It was like my second time on stage in maybe two years. Win the contest, kill it. He was like, you should be in L.A. How long have you been doing this? And I'm starting – and he was like, bro, you got to get to the store. Um, then I come to L.A. on a vacation. Damon Wayne's, I meet him at the improv and he's like, you are going to make it. He was like, you have a this crazy energy. Just in energy. conversation. Just okay. in conversation. I go Cosby's to New York.
1: rapist. <laughs> I go to New York. Yeah, we should <laughs> drop his drop –
3: You wants you want to cut that part out now or whatever. <laughs> go to New York. I, I meet Jerry Seinfeld. He tells me I should be doing comedy. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. What?
0: I've heard that Seinfeld's not the easiest guy in the world to talk to, but yet everybody everybody wants to talk to you, though. So, I mean, you've heard those same things, right? Like He's he's just, you know, he's not super approachable. Okay, this was my story.
3: So, everything Which I don't have any personal experience with him. I've been around him, and I've never seen him be a jerk. This circumstance of events, it's Joe Matarese again. Okay. Um, I had quit my job. And I'm like, I'm going to be a comedian. But I'm still living with my parents in Philly. Uh, Once again, for kids listening, I remember doing a few open mics in Philly. And I remember thinking, like, who the hell? Nobody's ever going to make it from this city in comedy. I'm like, it's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago. It's not Houston. I'm like, it's not a comedy town. I'm like, what am I driving to the shitty club for to do a stupid open mic? I remember that night specifically. And who knows who else was on that lineup? I remember I did two or three open mics in Philly with Big J, Okerson, and Kevin Hart. Wow. And I remember Kevin Hart becoming my friend, like open mic buddy, the f- only person that was really nice to me there, because everybody else had a click. Kevin was like, I'm little Kev, I'm a North Philly ghetto legend. He goes, I'm bringing you to my hood. They're going to love you. You're crazy. They're going to love you. <laughs> and I just remember him being really nice and really funny. He was the guy. That's awesome. Yeah, he was. A, so if anybody has anything to say, about I, I the Kevin Hart I knew before, way before he was famous, was a very sweet person. And this is my Seinfeld story. The only real comic I know is Joe Mattarese. And I would call him. Like, I was like the kid in Almost Famous calling Lester Banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just want to sort of feel like I was connected to comedy. And Mattarese was a nice enough guy to, like, always pick up the phone. Right. So he was like, what are you doing next week? I'm like, nothing. I don't have a job. He was like, there's a Yankees day game. Yankees, Red Sox. I have an extra ticket. You want to come? I'm a sports guy. I'm yeah. like, Always. Yankee Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we're at the Yankee game with all these other comics. They were all comic strip guys. Okay. And they were like, hey, man, r- rumor has it that uh, Seinfeld's going to pop in at Gotham tonight. So it's uh Matt Arisa, like, you want to go, there's a chance that we'll see. He goes, Robert Klein's definitely performing, but maybe Jerry will pop in. I'm Dude. like, no way. Yeah. Of course. I'm like, I love New York. I'm <laughs> moving here. <laughs> yeah. So now um, we go to the club and I get to sit at the comedians' table. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God. And everybody's talking about comedy. And I'm like, keep it together. Keep it together. <laughs> Guess who's a real comedian? I'm hanging out with comedians. <laughs> and then boom, Seinfeld comes out. Place goes nuts. He does like fifteen minutes of stand up and then fifteen Q- minutes of Q and A. And I was like, I have this question. I have this question. I need to ask Jerry Seinfeld. But then one of the comics at the comedian table asked like the type of question like maybe a, an angry comic would say. Like they go, Jerry, do you really think you're that funny, or do you think the fact that you're famous lets audiences buy oh, it? Come on, that, right? And I'm like, now I can't ask my question because I'm sitting at asshole yep, stage. Yep. Yeah. So now everybody else, the checks are dropping. So now everybody else in the room has to pay their checks, and all the comics know each other, so they're all talking. So I'm like, eh, just get up, and I'm like, I walk out of the room. Is my point? But everybody else is still in the room. I'm walking out from one door. Seinfeld's walking out from another door, and we're just at the front bar. And Seinfeld's waiting for his buddy that was filming all of it because this was for the documentary. Documentary comedian, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. He's just, it's just me and Jerry Seinfeld. So I'm like, uh, day." Like, and I'm at the time I was going through like the type of heartbreak only a complete pussy in their twenties can (laughs) have. Yeah, like like a girl I never even kissed had broken my heart. You know Uh, what I mean? Yeah, because she was my friend. So I'm like, here's one of the greatest. My I was like, I'm gonna ask you. I go, this is the question I wanted to ask, and he was like, okay, what? I was like, uh, how would you? I remember this. I was like, how would you define love? Like romantic? How would you define that? Because I said, look, you're 45, I'm 25, I want or 26, and he was 40. There's like 20-year age difference. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I should do comedy or not, or if I should just stay in Philly and live a normal life. And he was like, ugh. So I was like, but I do want to get married and have kids and stuff. And he was like, okay. And I was like, how would you define love... Uh, at 25 versus I go you didn't get married until you were 45. I go, how how did your definition change? And was it as fulfilling at 45 as it was at 20 as you hoped it would be at 25 and he was like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> so then we get into this unbelievable conversation.
1: Because
0: you asked a legitimate question that wasn't you just asked, your typical you, you asked, uh, Yeah, yeah you, it
3: wasn't like,
1: you know, stay in school, Newman don't really? do drugs, work out, work work yeah. work, always
3: working. <laughs> and cuz I knew, I I was smart enough to know even at 25, 26 years old, I was like, if I pull this trigger, yeah. I'm going down a path that most likely will not pay off. But if it's the only path you can take, it's the only path you can take. So I was like, hey, man, you didn't get married until you forty 45. I want that now. Is it going to be worth And now I'm 42, and right. I'm like, oh, my God. Best case scenario, I'll be married with kids at 45. But you guys bonded over that question. Yeah. And he was super nice. and Super cool. Yeah. I remember he was like, okay, Kierkegaard. I remember he threw that. <laughs> I remember he threw the Kierkegaard <laughs> reference at me.
1: That's really funny, though. Oh, super funny. That's really funny. Were you excited? Did you see the, obviously you saw a com- comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Uh, something you and I have in
0: common. I was, I was behind the camera of one of those. Uh, I was at the Comedy Magic Club one night when they were filming there. Really?
3: Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's uh, cool. I remember seeing that in the documentary. I'm like, yeah. this is like the happy comedy store. I'm like, everybody's yeah. smiling. I was working yeah. there at the time. You used to work at that club? Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's a great Before room. the store?
0: Yeah. That, I th- I've told you that After story the about that one night where, like, it was a regular lineup and it was oh. designed specifically for comedian. Oh, yes. And they were like, comedian. Yeah, the next person's coming out is. Yeah, it was, it was just a regular lineup of just, it could have been just like us, whatever. Yeah. Just like good comedians doing their stuff. Like, that's what everybody came to see. And instead, like, the MC came out and did his stuff. And then he goes, We, got, we ended up having a pop in and he brought out Kevin Nealon. and everyone's like, Yay, famous person. And Kevin Nealon's like, Well, you know, um, I was backstage. I happened to see somebody else you guys may be familiar with is going to go up on stage tonight. And he's like, can I bring out Gary Shanley? And they're like,
2: no way. Awesome. So
0: then Shanley comes out, Shanley does his set. And he goes, it's funny uh, that you guys would say this. He goes, I was backstage and I happen to see somebody else. You guys might be interested in seeing. He's like, do you guys mind if I bring out Chris Rock? And they're like, no way. And they lose their shit. Right. Yeah. And then Chris Rock's like, well, I guess that's it for the night. He goes, and he leans. He goes, what? Like, well, okay. I guess there's one more person. He's like, does anybody want to see Jerry Seinfeld? People are like, you have got to be kidding me! Yeah, they're fucking the the like, the people exploding
3: like ah! People lost their and yeah, It's and, and the and best they're, sure. they're like, that's you why you moved to L. A. for nights like that.
1: Yeah, then then you're like every you're like I every I go to see comedy all the time, and then when it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's
3: what happens. Oh! Audiences do get jaded here because of that, but yeah. it's inc- that's why I moved here. But I yeah. was
0: working. The thing was killing that's me, incredible. though. This is, this is what
3: I had to do, and I was in my thirties
0: when I moved out here, so I, mm-hmm. I started late. Mm-hmm. But I was acting like a child that night because I had it's the, only to, way to act. the parking lot. I, I got par- I was I was low man on the totem pole, so I got parking lot duty up at the top. Up at the top. Yeah. So I'm on the roof. It's a little rainy. It's a little windy, but we use earpieces, so I know what's going on down below. And I'm like, I got to find a way. To get down. To there. Sneak down yeah. there just to see a little bit. Be in the mix. So feel it. I would I, every time I, I'd wait until somebody was in the middle of their set or like getting close to the end of their set, and I would run down <gasps> and hide in the corner and just watch the intros. Because I was more interested in like the dynamic what how an audience of, reacts.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. the coolest. Yeah. So I just just hit over there and it just I just it, I'll never forget that night. And it was you, just, cool. you just okay, I never thought about it this way, but when somebody that famous pops up in a little club. It's almost like the audience is unwrapping a gift on Christmas yeah, morning. Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. that same
1: level of joy. Like, what? Yeah. Or, or it's like when you go see like a band you really like, and then they bring out a guy oh, to play the with greatest. them. And you're like, oh, here we got Lemmy from Motor Like Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah! Like, you're going nuts. <laughs> so you're like, great. You're already having a good time. And then just making it better. The best. Like, it's like, we got all this beer. Now we're going to throw more beer on it. Yeah! It's the greatest. <laughs> but there's one thing,
0: and, it, and that night is kind of, for me, sums up one thing that I always try to tell myself which it seems like this is what you hold on to, is mm-hmm. I never, there's two things. One, never forget the journey. Yeah. Never forget the struggle because Absolutely. you'll always appreciate everything. Sure. But two, always appreciate the moments that you're in and always still be starstruck. That's always all there is. Always still be star because yeah. you'll feel so good. Yes. Anything else? I mean, I pretend to not be. But inside, I'm completely starstruck because yeah, I feel like that was what drove me here in the first place. Yes. So I, looking at that Hollywood sign and going, you know, when I was a kid in Wisconsin, I would see yeah. that on my little, my little 14-inch black and white TV, the big Hollywood sign and going, I'll never be able to go there. Never. It looks so awesome.
3: So I, I try to never forget that stuff, but it I, keeps it fresh. I think that's great advice for everybody everywhere. Never let the world beat that sense of joy out of you. That sense of wonderment. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Like I still get – like you're a sports guy, John. Like that feeling when you walk into a baseball to, – to a ballpark and you see that green yeah. grass for the yeah, first time. Yeah, yeah, Dude, like I'll cry if I think about that. I'll think yeah. about my grandfather. I'll think about my dad. I'll think about the sound of – baseball is the best sounds of any sports. Like the crack of a bat. I mean yeah. that's incredible. The sound of a ball going into a mitt. You're like this is – there's something special here and it's – surround. I think maybe because I've been through – so much dis so so much darkness at moments and disappointment and it's been, but I see nothing but beauty now and I wouldn't trade I don't think I could go through it again, but I wouldn't trade anything. But you don't
1: for the have to. And now you have the perspective that you will never have to ne- go through that again. Because- no, because I'll never be that miserable again because <clears throat> exactly. I'll always have something <clears throat> positive to focus on. Yeah. And then you can always look back and go, yeah, at least it wasn't then. Like, it's not as bad as it was that day. I had my car towed twice. You know what exactly. I mean? like, you're always going to, like, that was, I had. The greatest I, thing about being 40 is going, I survived 40 years. Right. This too shall uh, pass.
3: Yeah. Except for the limp and a few aches. Uh, no, right? I don't mind. Uh, please. Compared to being <laughs> 25 and insecure and having anxiety over everything.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> also, <laughs> I, I also great. I think that, like, there was more for me in the beginning was more like well why are they getting passed and why are they doing this and why you think it's a competition right but now it's I'm not. like now I could not be happier to know that like I got I know people that are on SNL yeah it's the coolest thing it's ever it's so fucking cool to even just be able to say like, when someone's like oh someone like people who don't know are having a conversation you can go oh yeah no guy's great person yes. great guy glad he's on the show I think he's gonna bring a lot to it's just Yes, like, you can't like that is and it's genuine and real and yeah. it's not like phony yeah.
3: Hollywood love you babe no, no, like, no, 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 no! I mean, I it, love you, bro. This pe- is
1: awesome. The people I know that are that are successful on there that are or just got it or whatever, and the people that have already been on and are off and like, I mean, I remember the first time I ran into Jeff Richards, I was yes. like, "Dude, this guy's been on Mad TV and, and SNL, S-S-S-L. like, holy shit!" And he was really funny on both. Like, yep. I was like, I was like, and he's talking to me and being nice and just being <laughs> genuinely friendly. I was like, "This is crazy. This it's is so insane. cool. Yeah. yeah, what we
3: get to do, so cool.
1: Yeah." And I think that that. Every once in a while, I got to sit back and remember that shit, you know. Yeah. Because I mean? it's like you start to, like, oh, I got to get a job. Things aren't working out. I don't have any money. I haven't been on TV in a really long time. Like you start, then you then you realize that you, what you're complaining about is shit. Silly. And that if you were to make those complaints at someone else who's like really struggling. <laughs> oh, I volunteered. Now it's
3: changed my life. Yeah. And I have noticed that sometimes people that have legitimate problems always have the best attitude. Yeah. And people that have. No problems have the worst attitude. Yeah. Like I have a buddy of mine who – and I talked about this on stage and I'm going to keep it in my act because it was just like you ever have those riffs where you go off and you're like, oh, this resonates with me and the audience. People are miserable for no reason the vast majority of people in this town are miserable when you dig down because they're not rich or they're not famous. Right. And sometimes people are rich and they're pissed that they're not famous. And sometimes people are famous and they wish they were rich. Like it's, inc- they will find a reason to bitch. Yeah. Yeah. But like I, my buddy Daniel's in a wheelchair and he has the greatest I, attitude. Daniel from
1: out in Brea? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I met that guy a bunch of times. He he's comes the greatest. Out every fucking every show. Every show. Has the best time.
3: Yes. And he's just like, what? There's a ramp here. Panama. Yeah. he's just yeah. happy he's just happy he can get into the room
1: yeah yeah no yeah I, and and there's a i know i think it's an A blinking quote but it's like most people are as happy as they make their mind up to be and Ugh. it's like and if you just wake up and like they'd say the first thing you should do is wake up and just think hey whoop, i'm breathing yes like boom i made it another day you looks know? like we made
3: it <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so great yeah yeah i'm so happy right now this has been the best podcast i'm like
1: Hey, freedom! That's what we. That's what we do. We, yeah, we no, have the best podcast. and I
0: hope I hope you'll come back because I got to be honest with you. I don't. I, I feel like you know we we talked to you about this before we got on on the air. We like we'll, we'll talk all day long with people that we enjoy talking to. But I feel like this specific episode, and the reason why I don't want it to go on too long is because. It was really cool. Like it encapsulated a person's journey up to a certain point in their life, and it was like I feel like if I was listening to this, and I was, it doesn't matter if I'm going into stand up or just whatever I want to do in my life. Yeah, uh, I, I felt like this this show and the way we were talking was just like you know I could listen to this as as somebody and go, man, it doesn't matter. It's like you're gonna
3: you're gonna have pitfalls, and if sure. it's really what you want to do, like you're not alone when things suck. That's the thing. You know? Yeah, everybody's been there, and it's not just about stand. I think everybody has these God given dreams. And I think whatever you really love, that should be your path. And I think the the lessons you learn are uh, transferable. Like the lessons I learned in comedy could be the same to you if you want to be like a union steam pipe fitter even. Like you're going to have to learn. There's going to be setbacks. You, you, you might not get the job that you want. It might take you longer than other people. But if it, that's what you want
1: to do – and Don't let anything And there's always yet. legends in every business. Every you, you business. Can, like, my every my business. friend's wife was so funny one day. She was like, I'm like, oh, because my friend does this research stuff in the South Pole for like, for like four months. It's insane. Cool. Like 4,000 feet of snow, him and two other guys. Like, That's insane. It's insane. And then in the summer, he's in Lander, Wyoming, driving like a backhoe. And he loves it. And she was like, yeah, he drives this backhoe, whatever. But then all these other people are like, no, like he's the best backhoe driver we've ever seen. Like all his, all the people that that's he works with, like he's awesome. the fucking best. Like he's this rock star backhoe driver. You know what I mean? I'm like, there's rock stars. Like if you're in the insurance game, there's that yes. one guy, you're like, that can dude do sold so much insurance. Yeah, it's like, amazing. And then you go talk to that guy and he can like, he can inspire you and influence you and yes. learn from that guy and pass it on and do what doesn't work for him and whatever. I don't know. I'm just, uh, there's that's in every walk of life. There's people that have, have done what you're doing and have done it better or done it uh, a certain way that you can take from that and learn from that.
3: Yeah, the same lessons yeah. and the same skills. Whatever you, happiness, success, it follow, there, there's people that have paved the way and it's, this, it's universal stuff. Whether you want to be a tow truck driver or if you want to be an astrophysicist, yeah. the same, it's the same amount of work to be great and the only way to be great is to love it. And yeah. if my computer hadn't died, I was about to play
0: you're the what? I'm gonna do it.
3: Hold on. Okay. Well, keep now, talking.
0: Now wow, you know, I was to. hoping
3: it. To. <laughs> oh, so it so I'm um, with but, the but greatest Steve, American so hero. you,
0: um, uh, it would be with me. I got to meet him. I was excited. I just, that was one of the best. That, that had to be the greatest. William ever. Cat, baby. I've got this great photo. Speaking of the Hulk, where um, uh, my son Tanner met Lou Frigno because he came down to the building one day, and I didn't. So cool. As bad. This is going to sound weird, but as bad as I want... I got to shake his hand. I got to talk to him. But, and as bad as I wanted... I don't take a lot of pictures of people. Yeah. As bad as I wanted to, I wanted my son to take the picture. Yeah. yeah. That's And, so and cool. he was fine with that.
3: I remember once Lou Frigno breaking my balls at Gold's Gym in Venice. It's hilarious. And I was like, this is as good as life
1: is. <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Lou the five-year-old old version of me... Oh, dude, Lou Ferrigno—he makes me like when he was on King of Queens. The best. I was like, dude, and he's just arguing with Arthur. That was so good. I was like, you—that's how you know right away. Like a guy comes on, plays himself, makes fun of himself. It's like clearly he has a good sense of humor about who he is, and he's enjoyed his life. You've seen, um, obviously, you've seen Pumping Iron, one
3: of the best documentaries.
1: God damn. Lou Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> ah! Schwarzenegger smokes a joint in that movie. Yep. nobody ever talks about that. Eh, yeah, what's the she, talk about. I mean, but I mean, like, if a politician nowadays is like running for office, like, but he was,
0: he was the Terminator. Right? He, he, I mean, he was, he was. I would kick drugs out yeah. of America.
3: He was My Arnold Schwarzenegger. Favorite line from Pumping Iron is when Arnold's walking through that crowd, and you hear that one guy from New York: "Arnold, Arnold, do you drink skim milk." <laughs> Milk is for babies <laughs> When you grow up You get to drink beer That's the greatest Like He's just So Perfectly armed <laughs> oh,
0: Interesting cat for babies I was trying to play The best around You know You're the best oh. I couldn't find Nothing it
1: Nothing gonna man I'm bringing you down no, based man. on that last speech which I know right. it was a ton- oh, I totally good.
0: I totally killed Like a crowd um, tell us what's going on here anything you want to promote before you get up we, we do this at the end. I know podcast? you got your podcast oh, yeah I have a podcast
3: called yeah. good times I'd love both you guys to come on it and it's essentially we just look at the happy days of yesterday and then try to learn at least for me this is how I kind of found some happiness like I was uh, going through the dark times in LA and then I was like when was it better than this and I was like I don't repeat today in third grade and how much I look forward to that and I was like oh if I could see the good stuff in yesterday, maybe I can see the good stuff now. And I had to rewire my brain, yeah, yeah, to start looking for good stuff. And that's what the podcast is: who were you as a kid, and now who are you now? Yeah, well, yeah. if the, what's that correlation? So I'd love to have you guys come oh, on. It's now. a I love great podcast. Yeah. It's a very popular podcast. Yeah, it's getting say. up there. Yeah. People, it's the people that listen are very loyal. So. Uh, I hope that I'm gonna. I just want to plug one stand-up date. Yeah, yeah. First, first week of October, I'm gonna be in Scottsdale at the House of Comedy. So okay. nice. anybody listening wants to come out to that. My website's awesome, Steve. And if you ever want tickets to the comedy store, just shoot me. <laughs> I can put you on the guest list. That's awesome, Steve Simone.
0: Awesome, Thank you, Steve. Dad. Thanks so for being here, family. buddy. The best.
3: I'm so glad
0: uh, you you were able to Trump MapQuest and get here today. <laughs> so it's the most important thing. <laughs> get ways. thank you for listening to hollywood anonymous don't forget to follow us on twitter at hollywood Anani that is short for hollywood anonymous you can also follow john individually at john huck and myself brian erwin at brian erwin on twitter as well both of us can be found on facebook you can also google us and contact us directly hollywood anonymous guys at gmail.com thank you again so much for listening and please don't forget to subscribe